0: Hello everyone and welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the Senior Editor at B2B Marketing and I'm joined today by Dr. Christine Bailey, who is CMO at Passport. Um, So Chris, thank you once again for joining me on the podcast. I'm sure many of our listeners are very, very familiar with who you are. Um, But for those who don't, could you perhaps just tell them a little bit more about your current role and your background in B2B?
1: Yeah, so I've been in B2B marketing all my career, I'm working for some of the uh, industry giants like Hewlett-Packard and, and Cisco Systems, also for much smaller companies. Uh, about five years, I got, a year, five years ago, I got into fintech with Valator, a card payments company, and I'm currently working for Passport which is uh, in the RegTech SaaS, RegTech space for uh, fighting financial crime, risk and compliance software. And uh, we uh, Passport was acquired by Moody's in November, just gone. So uh, I'm now part of um, Moody's Corporation.
0: OK, fantastic. And um, as you know, we're here to, today to discuss digital sales in the world of B2B. Um, and I think you know it's fair to say that over the course of the pandemic, there's been a, a big uplift in digital selling in, in B2C. Um but is the same true for b2 b and if not why not?
1: So I think the there's been a surge in internet usage right across the board. I mean, if you look at the statistics uh, there's been a one percent uh, growth in the world's population but there's been a five percent growth in internet users and a ten percent growth in active social media users and don't know i don't know if uh, viewers are familiar with domo's infographic data never sleeps they they produce this uh every year and they've just come out with version nine of it and it shows like mind-boggling statistics of what goes online every single minute and they identified um You know, four trends or things that have changed since last year, you know, people are all working from home. So we're all using uh, Zoom and and Microsoft Teams. So uh, the amount of people using Microsoft Teams has gone up 93 percent in the last year. I'm sure the same is uh, uh, the same of other platforms. We've gone from the silver screen to the small screen, so we're not going to the uh, cinema or the movie theatres anymore. We're streaming stuff on Netflix. I don't know about you, but my main topic of conversation with my friends is what we're watching on Netflix. Got very excited that there's a new season of Ozark starting today. Um, So we're we're watching, on average, one hour on streaming services every day uh, in in the last year, which is double what it used to be. the third trend is we're all being social virtually. So we're doing literally everything from birthday parties to um, concerts, everything online. And uh, the last one, which is important to the question you just asked me, is quite apart from everyone talking about cryptocurrencies and NFT, so non-fungible tokens, what about good old-fashioned online shopping? so that has become the the preferred way of shopping and there's more than 6 million people shopping online in the world in, in every given minute of the day now that's consumers but we also see similar trends um in terms of the the trend towards online i mean obviously because of the pandemic sales have slowed down uh you know in in b2b but that doesn't mean to say that people are not at the beginning of that social selling or digital selling journey. So if you think about why people are using the internet, 62% of people are using the internet to find information. Now, you could say, well, that's not business related. And and this data is coming from Data Reportal. That's a favorite source of mine for, for internet trends. A third of people who are using the internet are doing business related research. And that's the beginning of the social selling journey and i'll just throw in something else as to why it's so important in b2b is a study from mckinsey and they are saying that more than 3 quarters of b2b decision makers so buyers and sellers actually prefer remote human interactions or digital self service so The trend is most obvious in consumer and in our in our habits of what how we're consuming data online, how we're behaving, shopping. But you're also seeing that trend now in B2B as well.
0: Mm. And I've read that, you know, you believe there are four key factors to doing successful B2B digital selling. Um, And you cite these as using insights to create segments and personas, using intent based analytics to find the 3 percent, stocking the digital shelves with appropriate and compelling content and mastering the art of digital conversations, So quite a lot to unpack there. So if we just go through one by one, I think that's probably the best move. Um, So starting with the first one, and that's, as a reminder, using insights to create segments and personas. How can marketers do this, and what will it actually help them achieve?
1: Yeah, so I think we know that the days of spray and pray marketing really are long gone. There's a a flavour of account-based marketing for every size of company and and every budget so there really is no excuse now for not doing segmentation so at passport we align everything to an icp or ideal customer profile so we're looking at you know what what vertical sectors are we in what size of company what kind of buyer behavior are we looking for um, what job titles which territories uh, which job roles and that sort of gives you that outline of the segments. And of course, doing a deep analysis of your existing customers is critical in helping you uh, understand what future customers might look like, because the best proxy for future customers is understanding your existing customer base. So you're using your insights to come up with your segments, and then you want to bring those to life with personas. So you're layering in real people or they could look like real people. You might want to give them a name or description. But, you know, uh, I remember somebody came up with a segment of picky choosers. Like, brilliant. Can you imagine going to your database provider and saying, give me all your picky choosers? That's going to be a very short conversation. So it's got to be actionable. And what you need to do is sit in the shoes of your buyer. Sit in their daily, daily life. What problems are you trying to solve? What are their needs and their wants? And if we take this through to digital selling, I bet there's many people here whose LinkedIn profile is used as a CV or a resume. It's not written with a buyer in mind. So what I would also say is make sure your linkedin profile is attractive to the to the person that uh, that you want to connect with so for example um our chief revenue officer has his header not as chief revenue officer or or sales his profile description is um, football, uh, barbecues, and reg tech—not necessarily in that order—and he's a fan, had a fantastic response to to having that in his header with people going, "How could I not connect to someone who likes uh, you know, barbecue and, uh, and and football?" So it's about bringing those segments to life with personas, and then right through to on the digital selling, having a profile that is sits well with your target audience and is not just broadcasting your messages.
0: Mm. And on to the second one out of those four key factors to doing successful B2B selling, um, which was using intent-based analytics to find the 3%. How can marketers do this and what sorts of results will it help them realise?
1: Yeah, so this is a shock stat is that only 3% of your buyers are actively buying at any given time. So 3% of your of your your uh, target audience are actively buying at any given time, and this was a concept from uh, a book by Jeremy Miller called Sticky Branding. So he's saying that you imagine a triangle, and you've got your top ten percent who are you know quite actively looking, three percent of which are actually buying. What about the rest? You know that's ninety seven percent who are not looking to buy right now. And I would say this is particularly, has been the case during the pandemic where people have uh, you know, stopped buying and have done a lot more research. So how in our marketing can we find that 3%, but how can we also nurture the, the other 97%? So we'll get onto nurture in a minute with the third insight. But um, one way I found to use insights to find that 3% is to look for digital intent signals. Now, when I was researching the book, um, a couple of years ago, there weren't that many digital intent signal uh, providers. Now there's quite a few, and we've just started working with a company called LeadSift, which is particularly good at finding intent signals on social. So you're looking for people who are actively sending out a signal that could be through the keywords that they're searching, it could be through their web activity, it could be through the events they're attending, or if the company is hiring people in a particular function, there's lots of different signals. So what a, a, a data intent signaling provider will do is pick up those signals and they will deliver it with context in a way that is actionable. So we actually get a, a link to the a LinkedIn profile of the people uh, that have sent out a signal and we get the details of that signal. And then we can give that to, we, we've got literally for every single sig- signal, we have a reason to connect or a suggested next best action. And it could be Depending on the signal, it could go straight to our our sales team, our uh, account development reps, or it could go into a marketing nurture stream. Uh, but it's it, it's really, really powerful. If you think back to what we talked about earlier with the Domo, you know, data never sleeps and how much data is being consumed online, you know, how what people are doing online all the time, they're putting out these signals. So why not use those signals? It's only the 3%, but it's a great way to find them. So you might want to, as I said, have your ADRs reach out with context or put them into a marketing nurture stream, or you might want to um, serve up some digital advertising to those people.
0: Mm. And how about the third insight then, which is stocking the digital shelves with appropriate and compelling content?
1: Yeah, so this kind of follows on really, because if you've been given that signal, you you either need to put them into a marketing nurture stream. So remember that 97% that are not ready to buy right now, what you want to do is to uh, give them content that's going to accelerate their movement through the journey. So where they, when they are ready to buy, you're top of mind. And a lot of the content now is consumed digitally. So we need things in Uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but snackable content, it needs to be easily digestible. So, you know, video clips and things that are visually appealing, infographics. Um, We conducted a research, a primary research recently, and compared to the full report, we had a lot more demand for the infographic, which was just, you know, a bit of snackable content out of that report. So it's stocking those digital shelves and making sure that the people... Your employees, particularly your salespeople, have access to that material and can easily use it, so you know provide them with links on social, give a suggested post, make it really easy for them to 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 use that content. The other thing that I talk about is dusting off your digital shelves. we're all really bad, aren't we? we're hoarders we're all hoarders at heart. It's really difficult to take some to get rid of something, especially if it's performed really well. But if it performed really well six months ago and it's not performing now, get rid of it. You know, so it's it's a constant cycle. So use your insights to figure out what content you should be creating in the first place and make sure there's content at every stage of the funnel to get that 97% moving faster through the funnel. But also use your insights to dust off
0: your digital shelves. Mm. And let's now discuss the fourth and final point, which was mastering the art of digital conversations. So that sounds like quite, uh, <laughs> quite, um, quite fantastic. So, how can marketers do this, and what will it actually help them achieve?
1: Yeah. So the the good news is that engagement online is five times more likely for sales reps who add value. But. B2B buyers just only see 20% of sales reps are adding value. So how can we help them add value to those conversations online? And a couple of our salespeople are really good at this. And they understand that, yes, while we can provide them with some fantastic company content, personal posts actually get 10 times the engagement. Company posts, so you need to mix it up. I'm not saying you should be posting uh, about personal things all the time. Definitely not, but mix it up. Maybe one in ten is a personal post because that get ten gets ten times the reach. So a couple of examples of personal posts that our sales guys have done really successfully is one of them um, decided to grow his hair. Luke, uh, one of our salespeople, decided to grow his hair during lockdown, and his profile pic looked absolutely nothing like what he looks like now though he is about to shave it off and give it to charity because it's got beautiful flowing long locks now. But he did a post on LinkedIn showing like the before lockdown and and the current uh, photo, and he had over um, 20,000 views of his post. Um, And and we thought that was amazing until his colleague Dean completely blew him out of the water. And he did a post about um, who knew what a club sandwich stood for. So I'm going to ask, put you on the spot here, David, what does a, a club sandwich stand for? Any ideas? I think I do,
0: I think I do actually know this. <laughs> I'm sorry to uh, to ruin your point, but is it chicken lettuce under bacon?
1: Well done, you see. You would have uh, been in that minority in the poll who actually knew what that stood for. Um, I was in the, uh, the two thirds who had no idea that that's what it stood for. But he did a poll on LinkedIn and shared that and he had over 50,000 views. So they are totally nailing the art of co- digital conversations. They're understanding that it's people on the other end of this. And as I said, it's not just about personal posts. You you can't do that all the time, but they do mix it up. And this this brings me on to saying that, you know, LinkedIn really is having a moment. If you look, uh, you know, what's happened in the last year, there's double the amount of company pages now being created on LinkedIn and there's been a 60% increase in the amount of content being created. Now, here's another lovely 3%. Only 3% of LinkedIn users are actively posting and producing content or creating content. So, there's still a real opportunity to stand out by uh, publishing on LinkedIn. And once you've published your content, then you need to start getting into inbox conversations with people before you can maybe move to you know an email or, or a face-to-face or, or or a meeting not necessarily face-to-face but there's been a 55 increase in those um inbox conversations so linkedin as you know it's a really powerful tool but it is quite a change for our salespeople because we're asking them to sort of go against the grain which is to be a hunter you know most sales are by nature hunters but with digital selling, we're actually asking them to be fishermen, uh, tickling the trout, if you like. We're not just jumping in. So just like in the real world, you wouldn't go up to somebody and say, you know, let's have a meeting. You know, you'd get to know them first. And you, you still have to do that, but you have to do it online. So you need to find a reason to connect and get into a conversation with them before necessarily, you know, you jumping straight in uh, with a meeting. So I guess it's Probably no different to the, you know, to the real world, but you need to translate that online. So first of all, you need to show interest in the person that you're trying to connect with. You need to respond quickly. Sounds obvious, doesn't it? But it probably even more so in the digital world is people expect a very fast response. Do a bit of research. Go and check them out. Check out their website. Ask open-ended questions. Give them a, b- a bit of flattery, you know, like not in a sucky kind of way, but you know, say something nice about them or their company. And then and then be brave if you're having a good exchange to kind of take it to the next level to get into uh, possibly an email exchange or, or, or setting up a meeting. The other good uh, recommendation is to mirror. So look at their style. Are they using emojis? Use emojis too if they are or don't if they're not. Are they using acronyms? Are they writing shorthand, or are they being, you know, verbose? So to mirror their style, that's kind of classic NLP behaviour, but in in the digital world. And for goodness' sake, add some value. I talked earlier about the statistic that people are only seeing twenty percent of salespeople are actually adding value. So for goodness' sake, you know, show you know your stuff without boasting. You know, you can still do it in a, in a modest way, but show you know your know your stuff. Share some tips share some case studies, give a link to something, an interesting article that you think they'll like and make the conversation sound like it'll be a mutual exchange or a collaboration rather than I'm just going to sell to you if you accept my invite. So those those are just a, yeah, a few tips on um, how to engage in that digital conversation.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks for that. Do you think though that you know, it sounds like at the core of what you're saying there is that people should be kind of more human, more approachable, um, more engaging on, on platforms like LinkedIn and, and not just going for like a hard sell from a company account. But do you think that there's a danger still in digital selling that, you know, the relationship becomes less human because it doesn't matter how nicely worded your message is and how many emojis you use if all of your communications are online? you're you're still lacking that face-to-face contact uh contact and that actual relationship with a human being. And given that, do you think that customers might still be more likely to churn and or not even buy in the first place?
1: Well I guess it's a good thing, isn't it, that nothing really beats face-to-face contact with human beings. There's there's no denying that. Um, but if we can't have the opportunity to meet people face to face then we need to do the next best thing and we need to nurture those relationships in the way that I've just described online so i, I think it is a comp- combination and I do think we have to work a lot harder and probably that that relationship doesn't run as deep uh you know when it's digital uh which i think is a good thing because we are humans and we do like human contact so yes ultimately you can't be face to face now and again but I think Hopefully it will, you know, we, we will get to meet people face to face more in the in the future. And then it becomes a combination because I think when you have met someone face to face, then the digital uh, conversation is a lot easier. So I think it's it,
0: it's going to be a combination of the two. OK, fantastic. And my uh, my final question for today and then I'll let you, I'll let you leave. Um, what's your number one piece of advice for marketers looking to improve or kickstart their digital selling in 2022?
1: Oh, my number one piece of advice. So when it comes to digital selling, is get help. I would say is is uh if you if it's new to you, or actually even if it's not, get a coach. We we have a fantastic coach, um, a lady called Laura Hannon. Um, she has a couple of companies, one of which is uh Pitch One to One, and they really have mastered the art of LinkedIn. So she coaches um, our salespeople. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at LinkedIn, but I learned so much from her because it constantly changes and you have to understand what the algorithms are doing. And, and uh, so if I'm going to give one piece of advice, that's what I'm going to say is uh, get a coach and, and, and learn from an expert.
0: Mm, I think that's wise words. Um, Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, Pleasure having you on the podcast as always. And we'd love to get you on board once again in future. I'm sure our audience would too. So um, yeah, thank you very much for joining me and um, we'll see you again soon. So thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Thank you, David.